Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Afternoon FM. Today, I am joined by Christina Amira Khalil, uh, running for U.S. Senator. Uh, thank you for stopping by. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, uh, we're going to go a little bit into her background, uh, some of her reviews, uh, and yeah. Uh, it's been actually an amazing conversation uh, prior to the damn podcast. I kind of wish it was running, but uh, subscribe and uh, yeah, subscribe. <laughs> you'll get the background access. Yeah. But yeah, we're gonna go in a little bit. Uh, Christine, thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. Um, What's the first question? Uh, tell me. Uh, tell me a little bit about. Uh, tell me where you're from. Like, tell me about like your early your early life. Oh gosh. Okay. That is pretty loaded. So I'm a first generation from Egypt. And um, the war on drugs broke up my family. So I, I wound up growing up in foster care. And but my, I would say my safe haven, which was short stops growing up, not many places know this, is a, the Conklin Youth Shelter. Hmm. Uh, it's the staff there that was pretty much caring and loving and provided the, the structure. And when we didn't want to eat, they would help, they would make, not force us to eat, they would encourage us to eat. And it was just, it, it, there was no, because people think, you know, with, with homeless youths or youth um, with going in between foster homes, uh, that there'd be a lot of fighting, but we were family. And that's the thing about, about other foster kids. It's we always, because we don't have much, we, we would always lean on each other. Mm. And it was, it was just pretty much a great, I wouldn't trade my, my upbringing for a lot. In, in the beginning, it was hard because it's like a lot of people are just like, you know, I wish I had a family. I wish I had this. But as I got older, I had my family. Yeah. I, I, I had a home i had multiple homes and my family only just expanded yeah. it didn't get limited yeah no okay. I, I feel it i feel that a lot too it's mm -hmm. uh when i was younger like i don't know it's weird like uh my dad's like a but that my like my family is all like lebanese immigrants and uh my grandfather he worked in like a coat factory like, mm -hmm. like in a kind of like this setting for a very very long time uh and you know he like they just kind of clawed their way into america and then it's weird because like he built the family mm -hmm. to this point and then uh he like propped my father like basically like my, my dad got to stand on like mm -hmm. the on like the giant mm -hmm. at that point and then like my dad just like i don't know he just never but it was like a lot of ego but we were very very poor it's like it's kids but it's weird because like there's so much like loss Mm -hmm. that you end up taking that are like it hardens you mm -hmm. but it makes you kind of prepared yeah for like what what the world will give you you know what i mean it was like you know yeah well that's it's what experience does though it really like you know you like you see you, if you have a wide spectrum of the world you yeah. can relate from this this like point mm -hmm. of the spectrum and you could relate to that point of the spectrum yeah 100 percent. and like i learned gosh I learned so much. One Thanksgiving, me and a whole bunch of people, because we didn't have family, we were just like, yo, let's try and celebrate Thanksgiving together. Mm. 
we try to make pumpkin pie by actual pumpkins. Mm. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was the hardest experience. And um, it, it, uh, the person, the people that were coming back, we were just like, oh, we're going to make you pumpkin pie. So as we're failing we decided to go run to the store buy the, the pumpkin in the can mm. come back and fix everything and when we hosted it we lied to everybody's sake it was so successful <laughs> everyone's like oh my god this is from real pumpkin we're like yeah this is real pumpkin and it, it was one of the best thanksgivings that i ever had because we just learned and i learned how to cook everything from scratch because mm. of that because I was reading the recipes online, reading recipes in books, mm. and, and just trying to, like, use our imaginations. Like, I think this would work together. Mm. And, you know, my partner, my boyfriend, and has had homemade two Thanksgivings. We would do one at, at his family's house, and then I would do another one at our house. Because it's just now a tradition where I just cook everything from scratch. Uh, except for the pumpkin pie <laughs> but it, it's just it's <laughs> nice mm. yeah tell me uh tell me a little bit like how is uh so when did you start getting like tell me a little bit like how you, when you were going into college like. so college i school was my safe haven hmm. and it was and i got good grades and i missed the application the the application deadline of college going to graduation mm -hmm. and you, you know you meet a lot of people in foster care and one of the people I met in foster care was like hey you know I think you should go to college not sign up for the military mm -hmm. and a lot of people were against me signing up for the military because of you know concerns like you know it might were not you, were you interested in the military? I thought that was my only option in life hmm. Because growing up in foster care, there's not, there, there's nothing to help transition out of it. Mm -hmm. Unless you're lucky and you have a family, you know, that, that truly cares about you, which I didn't. Mm -hmm. They were, um, the, you're, you're on your own at 18. Mm -hmm. Unless you wind up in one of those rare programs until you're 21, there, there's nothing, you're, you're just on your own. Mm -hmm. And a lot of foster care kids, like, if you don't wind up 18, a lot of us wind up going missing. No one looks for us because we're labeled as runaways. Mm -hmm. That bothered me. Uh, a lot of us wind up struggling with, well, some people wind up struggling with addiction. Some people wind up just in jail. You can have false charges pressed against you. Mm. But because you don't have family, you don't have access to a lawyer, you don't have access to money, the system, you just, you think, okay, this is what's happening. This is what's supposed to happen. Nobody's there protecting you. And you wind up falsely incarcerated or falsely, you know, harmed or no, there's no, there's, you don't have a voice when you're younger. And then a lot of that, a lot of us are like over medicated when we're younger. And I say us as in we are our own community hmm. and we look out for each other. We had to look out for each other. So it was just, and the adults never really protected us, but going into college, I didn't think I was going to go into college, honestly. And I had this one person that said, hey, look, if you're interested in going into college, we will, I'll talk to this guy and we'll see what, what happens. And um, he, 
it was I got accepted after the deadline I got accepted mm. and I, I thought this was an experience I would actually never have mm. and then going into college I was I, I remember you know it was I met a lot of rich people and it was a good and a bad time in college and it was great because I'm around my peers, I'm continuing my education, and I, ha I have an ability, well, I have a, a chance that not many of us get. Mm. And, you know, the people around me, they were inspired, they were like, I'm so happy. So then I felt the pressure to graduate. So I was just like, oh, there's no room for, for messing up because you have to graduate because now, you know, the people around you are just like, you have this opportunity. So then, but it was, but then also in college, because there were so many rich people, it was oh you know let's go on a cruise let's do this mm. i was working two jobs yeah i was working two jobs yeah. living in the dorms and every like four months i have to move and then when i moved to to where i was staying at it was like i was unwelcomed while i was there so it was just so much stress because i would dread the end of the semester yeah. and they would always make it clear how much they they did not want me around but they were just doing it because they well the one person wanted me around so there was a fight yeah. and so it was uh and then oh you can't go on this cruise you can't travel here you can't do this yeah. and then they would stop hanging out with me because yeah. i wasn't rich and i'm just like ah. Uh, and i wasn't sitting there explaining my situation to people because i didn't feel like i had to and it's like you know if you're not going to be my friend anymore because i'm i don't have money then that's on you that's not on me yeah. um so it was just but it was a good time because I learned so much. I expanded my, my education. I expanded my mind. And it taught me, it gave me a perspective on life. And that's where I really started because it was just, I started questioning politics. Why can't we all have this? Mm. Why is this only gifted? Like I lucked out and, you know, I know a few other people have lucked out where we just happen to have this path. But why can't this be for everyone and that's when I, I it dawned on me that education's the key to freedom mm. education's the key to to not repeating a generational traumatic cycle education is how you're going to break out of this and not many people and it's not fair that not many people have that education so then after college I went I took a break and I was just like you know what am I going to do with life so then I dabbled in dog training and then I dabbled in security and I dabbled in social work, and I was just like, and I, I wound up in Patterson. I was social work. Was you doing social work in Patterson? Yeah. So this is so I didn't have my master's degree, and this is what what prompted me to going back into to school. Is um, okay. So I was working at this mommy and me program. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name in in Patterson. I'm sure it's self-explanatory okay. at this point because okay. there's only one mommy and me. And Shout out to mommy and me. Yes. Oh. And it was uh, moms to be pregnant moms in recovery and reuniting mothers with their kids in recovery. Mm. And it was a really nice program. The kids were so joyful and the parents were so grateful and, and it was such a good experience. And I rem but the management was the problem. And I remember there was this, we were in a team meeting and I went to the, the supervisor and I said, look, this mom is starting to to show me red flags. I think we need to, because that was part of our job, I think we need to do an in, inter, intervention because I think she's going to relapse. And we need to, to intervene and, and whatever support she needs, we need to provide it for her. And the supervisor looked me dead face, 
dead straight in my face and mm. she said i don't care about her mm. and then a few weeks later yeah. yeah yeah i don't care we'll talk about someone that's more important and i was just like that oh pissed me off in that moment and two weeks later the mom overdosed Jesus. and had two beautiful kids and lucky luckily she was able to be narcan and come back and i don't know where she is today and mm. uh, i i went to human resources because there's like hey if there's a complaint someone's not being ethical and blah 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 file a complaint I went to human resources and they didn't care mm. so i was like i'm putting my two weeks in because i i can't i can't humanity like, at that yeah i'm just yeah. like you guys care about the money but you don't care about the people yeah so i wound up leaving and then i wound up going back to college and we that's when we met and um because i was working at yeah i was working at security at the time and then when we met my director at the time was an ex hack and sack narcotic detective mm. there's a nice wonderful story but that's I'm going to wait until my opponents drop that bomb so then I can... No, uh, what's yeah. it called? Uh, no, just the, the way you were talking about how, like, you put in your two weeks after, you know, they treated that poor woman as, like, a statistic, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. That's, yeah. I, I don't know what the thing was. I don't know if it was... The, I think it was the Patersonia. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's the whole, like, the idea behind that is uh, the only like other news source that's in, in that's local to the city there's like tapping the patterson tapping the patterson is actually it's a little statistical as well but it's like you know just reverberations a lot more content uh and the patterson times and patterson times is most it's just they just treat everybody like this uh, and that's hard, heartbreaking because we're human beings everyone's a human <laughs> yeah, being this so mom much, you one of us. yeah and like every client i work with I'm not going to say, like, you know, there are some clients that do get on my nerves. Mm. But I'm not going to treat them any differently. Mm. I'm going to treat them as a human being because, you know what? Yeah, they're extra. But they have a traumatic background that makes them extra. <laughs> yeah, no, I and it's not, But it's not a bad thing either. It's, it's like understanding. Okay. So, all right. They're going, they need some extra attention or they need some extra guidance. There's so many adults. We're all one. Yeah. No, we're really old. There are so many adults that do not know how to read and write. Yeah. And it and it's not their fault. It's our the fault of our systems. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like it's just like if the system was a river and like we're like trying to like we're trying to build this dam it's like shit. There's just shit fucking like, everywhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's literally. No, it's just there's too much. It's just too yeah. much. Shit. Uh, yeah, 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 it's, 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 yeah. It's and it's like too okay. many moving parts of an engine that mm -hmm. wasn't designed to go this long. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I don't know. It's it's but uh, it's a beautiful car. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but... And then, <laughs> during... I love America. I love America. It's not like Don King. Love Patterson. <laughs> 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 
I love America. <laughs> <laughs> Stop making me laugh so hard. <laughs> You're making me lose my train of thought. It's all good. It's like a rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, yeah, I, no, I agree. I agree. This is, you can see the failures in the system, but like, it's it's like it's weird. For, at least for me. Uh, I like I lived in Los Angeles for a very long time, and Los Angeles is a mess. I can just <laughs> imagine. I hear stories. Yeah, it's 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 weird because uh, I don't know. Like, well, one the two of them is I lived in I lived in Los Angeles and I lived in San Francisco. In San mm-hmm. Francisco, I had I feel like I had this Paris type of ideal of San Francisco. I was like, yeah, this is like the tech capital of the world. This is where, like, Facebook and Google and everybody's headquartered over. I, I thought every, everything was robots. I literally it thought it was Utopia in San Francisco. You thought it was Utopia? Yeah. There's, there's so much human shit on the street. It's insane. <laughs> oh it's insane. There's a real-time map of how much feces are on the street. Oh. And I don't know why... I don't know why, but I mean, like, See, I, I've never, people, but it's yeah, like, I've never been there, but the way it's advertised and talked about, no, it's, it's like not, a utopian. Everyone gets along and loves each other. Three hours north, completely different place. There's like people on quads and guns. And, like, Maybe that's whole, what they advertise. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I thought it would, I thought it would be this whole different vibe. And uh, Los Angeles, Los Angeles is kind of, it's, it's like. Los Angeles is his whole vibe. Every city is its own vibe. Patterson is a very, like, same, like, it's a very particular vibe. It's not a vibe of, like, any other city. It's like, it feels a little New York-y, and it has a little mm-hmm. bit of that Baltimore thing, but it's definitely, like, its own thing, where it's mm-hmm. this cultural melt. And that's what I love about it. Like, that's what you said, like, you know how, like, you you had all these experiences, and, like, early mm-hmm. in your life. Growing up around here, it's like, yo, like, I, like I'm cool with Dominicans, like yeah. Arabs, fucking Peruvians, you know what I mean? Jewish community, uh, black people, white people, like Italians, you know what I mean? Like everybody's here, so yeah. it's like you can't really. It's a melting pot. It's a beautiful. I, I really think Patterson, because again, like it's where I started in my career towards politics, and just seeing all the disruption in life, and I'm just like, you know we need people need more protection Hmm. and people i i truly believe if you i my model is we run the country not the politicians if 25 percent of 25 percent of americans decided to stop working for one week Hmm. we would start crashing 25 (laughs) percent america would start going down the the drain 25 percent of americans decide to stop working for an entire month we would be in trouble yeah if 25 percent of americans said we're protesting and we're not working until you fix us and give us what we want america would be in trouble now if that 25 turned into 30 percent yeah anyone could come in and take over Mm. we would crash so it, without the people, you don't have the country. Yeah. And if you're not giving us our basic needs where it's a safe environment, clean water, because there are right now at least a minimum of 34 towns with contaminated water that we just can't drink the water. Yeah. You're included sometimes. So we got we gotta, we got we'll get like a, an email and it's like, hey. Just yeah, chill. just chill. Just chill, just chill for the day. And, and try not to boil just, your water because yeah. it makes the, the chemicals worse. Yeah, just, 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 just chill. Just don't. Yeah. Just pull and spray and yeah. Shit. Have some mango. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. 
Yeah. And it's like education and health care. You trust New York water? I remember when I was in New York, people were like, dude, you could drink water from the tap. And I was like, I couldn't. Yeah, exactly. You know <laughs> we what? We got an off-camera shrug over here. <laughs> you know what? That's so interesting. You said that. My... <laughs> My, I don't think it's the water. I think it's the pipes leading into the water. Well, no. My my best friend lives in New York. Yeah. And she said when she switched, when she moved to New York, the water helped clear her skin. New oh. Jersey water makes her break out. So I do think that New York's a little... And then there's my aunt's house's water. Shout out to Aunt Olga. There's, you got to clean the asbestos ass <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Horrible. Yeah. My whole family was like, yo, don't, don't drink the water by the house. I'm like, I'm fine. What the fuck? I'm like, I turned out fine. <laughs> I turned out fine. I drank out the hose. No, yeah. I, well, the hose, the hose was good. I don't know. The hose yeah. was the best water because we were really thirsty. <laughs> I don't know why fluoride is such a big thing with people. People uh, are always worried about fluoride being in the water. So, fl- okay. So too much fluoride can cause harm. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, then know that. Yeah. Know. It's great for your teeth, but that's why they say, like, don't swallow the toothpaste because uh, of the fluoride. Wait, so you don't eat toothpaste? No. No, like, they say, rinse your mouth and spit. Don't swallow because of the toothpaste. So, yeah. Tell me a little bit more about your views. Like, My uh, view, I'm very progressive. So New Jersey has about a minimum right now because the last couple of years I did go review the budget. And there, there's a lot of money being wasted for useless things. So we have a minimum of right now $3 billion we can redirect and put back into communities or put back into basic necessities we need. We can even level out the, the, the housing market in order for like you know remove the barriers so people could buy houses or even lower the rent prices mm-hmm. and then we could eventually put a percentage cap on it and so that way one person with one working working one job sh- they should be able to afford food electric water cell phone bill and rent with mm-hmm. one paycheck mm-hmm. it, it's ridiculous that you have to work two three four five six jobs mm-hmm. and have like 12 different side hustles for that mm. just to afford your basic necessities mm. so very progressive i believe in universal health care and if it's not passed on a federal level we can separate new jersey and do it on a state level hmm. i also believe in redesigning incarceration hmm. we need to turn it more into a rehabilitation facility so gosh how do i break incarceration down the way it's set up it's set up for failure Hmm. where people when they go into to jails and prisons they leave more traumatized because uh, you know do you know anyone that's been in prison yes okay i'm sure they have (laughs) war stories shout out to rob free my guy (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure they have war stories uh Survivor stories. I don't know. Like, the two of them, I feel like they should have gone to prison. (laughs) 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 They're a little bit better than they are out of the real world. Uh, Well, I'm not saying... (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. I'm not saying... (laughs) If if somebody's committed a crime, they do need to be 
sent away. But instead of going to prison where it amplifies the trauma, and then also, look, it does really... No, I... I it's with the law shifts. Like, so I feel like they set everybody up in fail- for failure via law shifts. Like, like, I had a lot of friends, their first jail time mm-hmm. was cannabis. Now it's fucking. Now it's like, you it, know, that's ridiculous. Like, hey, bro, fucking, but and on, there are some people still in prison on that. I know there's people it's that are ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's like think about that. That's yeah, yeah. That's I don't know. I, I fuck with normal on that. On that. Uh, on that thing a lot. So like, if a person instead of catch and release, or instead of you know you serve your time, and then you you wind up going back out in the world, you learn new skills to be more what's the word you learn more <laughs> really likes the soul music that's playing in the background oh, probably okay. won't make Sorry. it to the tape but it's all good <laughs> you, you become more well-rounded ADHD. <laughs> Distracted. You can't see this. I'm so sorry. I'm you do this. <laughs> no, I love it. You learn more skills, street skills in prison. You learn more oh, techniques. Oh, yeah. It becomes a university yes. for crime. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and right. instead of doing that, let's put more mental health care professionals in there. Let's work on understanding why a person commits crime. Let's work on, you know, reducing triggers if a person's struggling with certain addictions even though i don't believe if someone struggles with a disease they should go to prison working on more humanitarian you know like speak speaking about that so Mm. there is uh it's just well coming back right so i left new jersey around like 2010 I don't know what the pillow is. <laughs> so I don't get distracted anymore. Oh, what's it called? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I left New Jersey around like 2010. Mm-hmm. And, oh, no, 2014. I left around 2014. And then like the opioid crisis, I think like really started to get like heavier. It got, it got like... Oh little, like, my gosh. Little, don't yeah, even get me complete. started on the... We don't... Okay, so I worked at a detox too. Okay. All right. So besides working in a prison at one point, I worked at a detail. I worked at a whole bunch of places where you just see different levels of messed up stuff. Yeah. So working in detox, the insurance company should not be in charge of whether a person gets treatment or not. It's between the doctor and the patient. And I would literally have people withdrawing from heroin, Mm. needing treatment, knowing that there's fentanyl in the stuff, knowing that there's a risk of overdose and dying and they're begging to come in because they're so scared they want help and the barrier is these insurance companies will sit there and say it's not my problem Mm. we don't think they're sick enough what i'm just like they're dying right now they have to come in a full-blown withdrawal are you kidding me and I would fight with them. Even the doctor would fight with them. And then sometimes, you know, we would just have to, like, literally eat the cost of treatment. We couldn't do it all the time. Yeah. But it was just, they, the insurance companies would say, you're, we, like, literally, it's not our problem. Tell them to try again tomorrow. And then once you get denied, you have to wait a 24-hour period to try again tomorrow. And it's just the most heartbreaking thing because I would literally sit there and see them and have to... I would have to deliver the bad news and say, I'm so sorry. 
that you can't come in today. Yeah. And they would, a lot of them would cry. Yeah. And then it's just, and where, yeah. what do you do at that point? Jeez. And then what I would do, because working in the addiction field is, you know, you start developing different connections and relationships with other people in different areas. And then, like, you call them up and say, hey, you know, I have this guy or girl and they we they got the night on our end but can we try and get them on on your end and mm. because uh, if you went from hospital to hospital that was different versus if you tried at the same hospital or same detox within 20 it was uh, insurance is weird and it was and it was more focused and then the management was more focused on the money instead of the human beings mm. So eventually that set me off and I had to leave there. Mm. And it was, they were just like, oh, and I want to put this out there. I worked during the beginning and throughout COVID in this mm. detox and how it was set up besides the poor PPE. It was, they came to me first, only if they got accepted, mm. did we test for COVID. Mm. And it was me, a nurse, and a secretary so all three of us would be exposed mm -hmm. and then we on a daily basis we had no idea what was going on and then it got to the point where it's just like you know whatever happens happens and they're just like oh stay six feet as how am i supposed to say six six feet if this person just fell over for a seizure i have to go grab their head or they're vomiting because they're going through withdrawal and they can't stand how am i supposed to stay six feet away from these people what am i supposed to do the person's having a seizure just say to them roll over yourself yeah, <laughs> like, they yeah. can't control them yeah. <laughs> and make sure that they're not choking on their vomit and that there's something comfy under their head or like this person's clearly presenting signs of a freaking heart attack so it's like okay i have to and they're sweating and they're about to fall over i have to go and grab them and it was just we put yeah. our lives on the line and neither of us regret it and thankfully neither of us got covid throughout this time and it was just wild experience because management even said, let's double up the rooms. Let's do this. Let's do rapids instead of PCR. And the doctor would fight back and say, no, we need PCR. We cannot expose people. We, until we understand COVID, we cannot expose people to possibly having COVID. And rapids only 50% accurate. PCR is 100% accurate. And so management was we want money we want money we want money not these are human beings we have to protect them mm -hmm. not not these are human beings we need to give them the best treatment and it was it was stressful and i and they would get sometimes they would get mad at me because sometimes the patients needed extra attention and i'll never forget this one guy and he stays with me you know and i'm so beyond thankful full that I took the time with him because people rush and working in this field you can't rush all the time yeah there are some people you meet they're just like okay send me here I'll do this and blah 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 they're they're about the move but there are some people that really have disabilities or cognitive limitations or they're just they really just don't know so you have to make sure that they understand and this one guy he came in and he had full-blown AIDS going through withdrawal and the insurance company said he's not sick enough we don't care 
<laughs> yeah. Jeez and I'm just like, and, and then, and then I'm talking to him and he doesn't seem, t- he, and he was somebody with a delay and he, he was just like, you know, I also need to get back on my, my, uh, AIDS medication. And he was like, I lost a lot of weight too recently. And I think it was from heroin. And my heart dropped at that moment. Cause I knew, I knew what, I knew the answer. I was like, sir, how long have you been off the medication? And he was just like, about a year. I was just like, okay, so now we're dealing with heroin and we're dealing with someone that just lost a lot of weight with, a lot of um, weight with... uh, Blood cells. Yeah, Yeah. with AIDS and no medication. And I'm just like... Jesus. And and they were, and management was just like, no, send him out, send him out. I was like, and I had to put my foot down. I was like, I need you to fire me before I send him out. I need to make sure that this man is set up for success. And then on top of it, he's just like, yeah, I just had a baby. I'm like, wait a second. Sir, you're using, are you, how? Oh yeah, me and my girlfriend were, she doesn't have HIV and I think it's fine because I, I've been fine for a year without the medication. And I'm just like, oh my God, sir. <laughs> like, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I, ha- I had to take a step, step back because I was like, I can't be mad because at this moment, he doesn't know. This is all he knows. Mm. And I was just like, okay. So I called up my friend that's at another facility and I broke everything down. And I was just like, not only does he need detox ASAP and needs to go to a hospital, but we need to make sure he gets his, his white blood cells checked immediately. And we need a doctor that's going to put him. And usually, and then I learned in that moment, Mercy doctors do not re-put people on HIV or AIDS medication. And it was the wildest thing I ever heard. I'm like, how do we not set someone up if they're going to the hospital? Because this, at this point, for him... I have to make sure he's stable. He's just got a new baby and he's got a girlfriend and he's got a family he has to stay alive for or be there for. And I was just like, I can't let, I have to do everything. And I don't know where he is today, but I made sure he was set up for an appointment. The doctor said that they would make sure that he was set up for medication and they would pull some strings. And we were able to get him free transportation to to the, the hospital he was going to. And it was the craziest three hours because it's a guy I just met, but it's a guy with limitations that didn't know any better. And we were dealing with not just a cognitive delay. We were dealing with, with heroin. And then I'm, I'm dealing with possibly HIV or AIDS at this point. And the way he was describing everything, it was AIDS. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, and then we got a, a new baby that needs their father. We got a girlfriend that needs the their support. partner and their support. I'm just like, I have a family I have to, like, go full throttle to protect. And I don't even know these people. And the, he was just so thankful. He was like, you made me feel safe. You didn't yell at me. You didn't put me down and you helped me. I'm just like, I couldn't do anything else but help. And I'm just like, how do we not have these supports or these connections currently or even these programs in place for people like him. Mm. And so in 2018, I decided to run 
and then in well in 2018 i start having an idea i wanted to run i wasn't of age yet because you have to be 30 to run for united states mm. senator and then in 2020 the experience of how detached our current leaders were here i am on the front line risking my life every day and here they are on vacation hiding behind their desks in their office mm. you're 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 not present you don't care that these people are dying i have to not only was i just working at detox i had to also provide free counseling to other doctors and nurses that were struggling with this trauma and then on top of it i'm going to school full time mm. and i'm just like i'm doing so much i'm trying to figure out what self-care looks like how to take a break and how to detach from reality and it was just like but every day it was just like sad and then i remember at some points it was just like it, it went from dark and gloomy to oh this person has covid and they're withdrawing and you're just like we and still we don't know much about COVID. We're like is this person mm. going to make it is this for what's happening and stuff like that and then they you see a brand new person and you see them get sober and you see them go and they're just like i'm going to another program i'm going to continue this treatment i'm going to do that i'm going to do this and you just feel like okay this is what i'm doing it for because i just reunited some a son with their their parents or a husband or wife back with their partner or mm. gave their kids their parents back or gave the parents their kids back and it was just like it was a hard traumatizing time in my life but it was also a rewarding time in my life and it also gave me so much clarity because the and it, clarity with our, our government did not care about any of these people yeah they're treating them like statistics yeah and money yeah. and how much money can we get from them and send them away because they're not going to make us enough money and then on top of it there's no treatment protocol for fentanyl and the treatment protocol is we have to wait 72 hours before giving the medication but the way the insurance company worked was if you don't give them the medication within six to 12 hours they're not going to get treatment and we're not going to pay for it and then but if you give fentanyl not fentanyl wow if you give suboxone too soon to somebody with fentanyl mm. they go into precipitate a withdrawal so it's the worst withdrawal a person really experiences and it hurts every ounce of their body and the chances of them successfully completing detox or even going to rehab just drop down to like five percent because a lot of people are like i gotta use because i can't stand this pain and they run out of detox and now on top of that now we have xylazine and there we barely had anything for fentanyl we have nothing for xylazine because fat. I have no idea what that is. So xylazine. Okay. <laughs> so like an instrument. Okay. That would <laughs> yeah, be a xylophone. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But. Well, what's a xylazine? Is so like xylazine is a new ingredient slowly replacing fentanyl. And okay. it is mixed with opiates, but it is. It, you get it from a veterinarian. Yeah. I forgot the. the it's for animals. Um, and what it because it's not opiate this is where the danger comes in when a person overdoses narcan will not work narcan cannot touch it and narcan cannot reverse the effects so what do we do and this is where our current elected leaders fail because instead of being proactive they're going to wait until just like fentanyl just like opioids they're going to wait until enough people die 
and then and then they're going to be reactive and not and we need to have leaders that are proactive that aren't scared to go up and say we need to figure this out if you're able to create a vaccine within a short amount of time you can put that same energy into creating something to help people with addiction I feel it was the money. The money. It's the money. Fucking, yeah, the money is what really, what really forced the. Like, oh, the economy's gonna go. Just get, get Billy on it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. But yeah, and it's just, it's terrifying. And then what a lot of people don't even realize is, they think it's just opiates that are really run, running rampage. But crack cocaine and PCP are very prevalent and still a problem to this day Mm. and the amount of people and like it's so hard there's so many barriers to try and getting people off of those substances as well and is we need to remove the barriers for fentanyl is is the is the grim reaper though it's weird because i don't know i think it was freddie gibbs was saying like he's like like, yeah you see like the same crackhead for like you know 20 30 years you know they're just doing their thing alcohol and all they're dead in a week yeah, well, alcohol and heroin are both. Yeah. Well, alcohol, heroin, and benzos are all the three dangerous ones. I'm not. So, with, when it comes to the dangers of the substances, it's benzos. And working in detox, I will just say that benzos and alcohol terrify me. Mm. Opiates do not, because the chances of a person. People do not die from opiate withdrawal. Oh, unless you have a serious medical condition and the withdrawal triggers that that like if you have a heart defect or something like that and then it triggers a medical issue Mm. but the withdrawal cannot kill you um the use can kill you which is terrifying the use can also for benzos and alcohol can kill you but their withdrawal protocols it's it, it seeing it in person what it does to people is actually it's terrifying and then alcohol is so sexualized and normalized yeah yeah and what they don't advertise and say oh you get hallucinations if you get too drunk you can go into dts which is delirium tremens um if you get if you're going through withdrawal I'm sorry, the music is just oh. like, is completely like that. Continue. Okay. If you, um, <laughs> as you turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get delusions. And I remember, but when, when it comes to um, alcohol, especially alcohol, I'm going to say this, which was the scariest one out of all of them, is you can... A person can have a breathalyzer, a blood alcohol content of 0.200 and still start withdrawals. And what that means is their baseline to even function normally, because now the body's so physically dependent on it Mm -hmm. that the body can't function without it. They could probably blow like a 4.0 or something. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, okay, this person's going, and we would have people where we would just skip insurance, and they would come in, and they would have, like, a breathalyzer of, like, 0.3 something, and we would start seeing shakes and sweats, and we are just like, they're about to, like, hit. very scary. It yeah, re- alcohol is a very scary. That, thing. and it's, like, it's scary on my end because I have family that want you to come home. Yeah. And I don't want you to die on my watch. Because yeah. the last thing I want is to have to like talk to your family member and say, we tried everything. And luckily, knock on wood, 
I have put my heart and soul into everyone that I've I have never in I will only say this in detox I've never had someone die on my watch in detox right. and um have you seen somebody die in, in on like on a watch you said like in detox in detox we'll we'll leave it in detox right now okay um but narcan is a i will uh, narcan will save lives and i always carry around four things of narcan because i never believe that one is only going to work really yes so and how does does it work to like administer that i'm very actually is it like like fucking pulp fiction like uh, so (laughs) remain okay remain calm Okay. Don't have a heart attack, but it is scary because you know the person in that moment can be vomiting or they can't. You're they're dying. You know what I mean? Mm. And I can't say I've all. I'm somebody that would always respond in the best manner. Mm. <laughs> but oh I will God. say, <laughs> just like no, you are not, not dying. Die. You're not Come dying on, on my watch. <laughs> not today. <laughs> Uh, um so <laughs> yeah. okay my very first overdose and I, would, I would wake up just so i don't get yelled at anymore. yeah well my very so if you don't have narcan what you try not to break their face if you don't have narcan i what also helps is shocking the body until first responders come so don't like beat the person but like you can slap them uh, to okay. keep them awake okay how strong is your pimp hand the <laughs> 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 look there are people with stronger hands than me all right <laughs> you have to shock the body you just have to shock the body and, and keep them awake uh so my very first overdose was i was working and i just i was trying to sneak off to like be on my cell phone and talk on my cell phone yeah. and so i go into the parking lot at my job and i'm just like oh yeah i'm working you know like yeah. a normal employee does yeah. and then this girl walks up to me and she's just like i excuse my language everyone i'm gonna quote her yeah. i fucked up i don't want to die and i'm just like i'm by myself <laughs> in the middle of a parking lot i'm just like Wait, what do you mean? She's like, I didn't. I thought I wanted to kill myself. I took the pills, and then she just fell on the floor. Oh, I'm just like, <laughs> oh, and I didn't. I didn't oh, know shit. what overdosing was. I didn't know anything. And I just get on my radio. I just get on the call, and, and I'm just like, she. I think she's dying. I think it's a suicide. I don't know what's happening, and I'm just like. I'm holding her, and I'm just like, hey, hey, stay with me, stay with me. And I'm so thankful. I mean, it was the scariest moment in my life. One of the scariest moments. I've had scarier. Um, It was a a moment that really pushed me, catapulted me to going forward and in the service field and in the mental health field because not only was I there and not only did I help to save this life, but turned out she was a missing person with two kids Mm. and she was so thankful and she was able to get the help go to the hospital and reunite with her children and her family was so thankful and i'm just like if i wasn't there in that moment that girl would have passed out Mm. because overdoses it only takes a few minutes and then a person's gone yeah and 
I was just like in the middle of the parking lot alone. There were no other cars and began the EMTs and people were running over and this one lady was like, I got Narcan. And I'm just like, what is Narcan? And she was like, stand back. She's going to vomit. I'm just like, okay. And she vomited and it was just, but then she was freezing and then everyone was giving her blankets. It's like in that moment, everyone came together and then like, and then the cops came and then they started making fun of her and then we were all very angry at the officers. Really? Oh my god. They were just oh <laughs> Holy my god. Shit, the came and well, yeah, cuz when you call 911 no, yeah, no, they were like, oh, you think you're going to go to Patterson and get heroin? Ha, 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 you're not getting heroin today. Ha, 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 and then yeah. I'm like, this girl is, like, struggling right now. Yeah. She's already at her lowest. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? Don't talk back to the officers, Christina. And that's why the state is taking over the Patterson Police Department. Oh, that's a, <laughs> that is, okay, so I'm just going to say this. That is not only the worst idea, because I've been wronged by the state i've been wronged by officers so many times before but there was a moment where i did work with them and i got to see the other side Mm. what this is going to do and this is why i'm running because it starts from the top Mm. it's this this is is, the state taking over yes is you're adding more pressure to the police officers and human beings can only handle so much pressure in Mm. general and there's already a lack of there's on average in new jersey 12 officers that commit suicide a month there's already a lack of support for mental health and i don't care what programs that they say oh we have this for officers we have that for officers it's a joke of a program Mm. and because the officers they come in and i've worked with officers i i can't say the truth because this is going through my insurance and this is going to get back to my job because if they ask for notes you have to provide the notes so i unless they pay out of pocket Mm -hmm. and they, you know, they can't be a hundred percent honest in treatment Mm -hmm. and, or even in therapy. And so you, you have, and then if they do go to therapy, if they do go to treatment, there's so many politics involved within the police department, they shame and they do withhold promotions. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a whole community. Yeah. And the PDA card is just, this is the badge of it. Yeah. And the politicians are what's, they are who is investing in the war between officers and civilians Hmm. because instead of dividing the money between community programs that actually work you're putting money and saying i'm choosing this side i know what's going to happen but when the officers mess up we're going to blame the officers Hmm. not that we're putting all this pressure and all these responsibilities on these officers and that they're you know they're human beings and they're working 16 hour shifts and it's not a justification at all Hmm. i need to make that clear it's not justifying that you know that they shot and killed and and murdered and i do want to go into Najee. Yeah, because I, I yeah, because uh, I, I documented that rally. That was crazy. He he, uh, he was on the same street, like a uh, like not too far away. Like I think I go here in my girlfriend's house, mm-hmm. and uh, it's literally like on the same street, basically. And uh, yeah, man, it was just uh, it's nuts. The Patterson Healing Collective. Shout out to yeah. shout out to the Patterson Healing Collective. You guys do great work. Yeah, no, they they do they do. It's uh, they do a wonderful community programs. I think a lot of my friends have actually performed over there. Shout out to... Actually, last episode of The Drops. Shout out to yeah, MC Bleak yeah. and Raymundo, uh, Chase Cobains, and everybody over at Ripe Studio. 
Uh, but yeah, they, uh, they they do wonderful things in the area. And shout out to Silk City Fridge as well. And uh, Oh Joe yeah, Moore. Silk City Fridge yeah. is amazing. Joe Moore, uh, Elamani, I met him personally, and Bray, everybody at Black Lives Matter, Patterson. Uh, yeah, there's you know, a lot of wonderful... You know what the thing is, what's strange about this city is that there's like... There's places like this, there's like, you know, all these like little communities, and we all just want a better city. And it's like, and we know how, we see the city's full, but we're trying to just make it and as much as we can, because it's just, there's so many the, moving parts. But, and it, you guys, uh, Patterson has so many programs that works. Put the money in there. That's going to relieve stress from the officers. Mm. Have them focus more on violent murder cases. Have them focus more on rape cases. Have them focus more on, on human trafficking cases. Yeah. They do not need to be answering mental health calls. And I'm only going to... Uh, I'll say a few things. So there was two calls in my in my career that... Actually, a lot of things in my career, in my life, stick out with me. <laughs> so the first one is... Uh, I worked Saturdays by myself at this one facility and we would do assessments and I would get people on my caseload and whatnot. And this was like in Bayonne slash Jersey City. So you kind of get a, I want you to imagine Broad Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm by myself and this guy was supposed to show up and he shows up sweating. And I see it in his eyes. I'm like, okay, there's heroin, but you're sweating. Is there cocaine, sir? <laughs> like, I can see that you're on more than one thing right now. Because, you, you know, you work in the field long enough. Like John Belushi. Yeah, you, you can kind of see what substances are what. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I'm, I was just like, yeah, I'm trying to lighten the mood because he's paranoid. I'm like, I don't think you slept for, for a while. And I'm just like, is there... Is this like a little speedball happening? Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like John Belushi. Yes. Yes. He's just like yes. <laughs> <laughs> I used cocaine right before I came here. I haven't slept in forty hours. A bit cocaine and hair. I'm like, okay, sir. You clearly need a detox. The price is right. Come <laughs> yes. on down. And oh. he, <laughs> and he had, he he had. <laughs> he had the worst panic attack that I was alone and then my co-worker cut because he lived around the block he comes down I'm like hey, don't leave me alone don't leave me alone he's like you got this Christina you got this I I, I got my own life to live I'm just bro, like I'm like bro you ditched me yeah, and you then, see some shit yeah. oh I'm my god <laughs> oh my god <laughs> If we have time, I gotta, I gotta tell You're you. You're chilling. I mean, I think the only thing I gotta do is go to the bathroom. Yeah. We have up until three hours. So normally, it like, normally caps out at 60 minutes, but I'm totally done. Oh, my going. God. I got uh, stories. No, I gotta no, tell you about no, the, you the lieutenant shit, yeah. in the Aryan Brothers that I met. We gotta tell you that story. I'm gonna go to the bathroom yeah. and pause. I'll cut this in a second. Yeah. Uh, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. I just had to go to the bathroom really fast. Uh... A little bit of a delve into the afternoon listening party, which is a subgenre. We just did Zaza Mundo 2 and Suburban Mayhem, and From Darkness to His Light by <laughs> Joshua Robinson. But we got a single drop in for Christina Khalil right now. Before we drop the song, I just want to rewind to Najee. Mm. Because. Actually, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because it is very important to highlight as somebody who has actually been exposed two people in high-risk situations like that mm. 
Najee did not have to die. And here's the evidence why. So, as I was saying previously before, I had the guy come high on a speedball. And he, he clearly needed to go to the hospital. And he was so terrified of being arrested because he was already on drug court. He's like, if I use, they're going to kick me off a of drug court. I'm going to lose my kid. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. I was like, we don't have to go that route. It took me and this man, and you could just imagine his paranoia. He's like, should I run and drive? Should I leave? And he would keep trying to walk to the door. I'm like, sir, don't. It's just you and me. I don't need you to run away and drive. And that. He gave me his car keys and he was like, I need my car keys back. It was just communicating and meeting him where he was at and also keeping a distance. Mm. Let him know that, you know, we were equal. If I was going to sit down, I would say, hey, you know, I'm going to sit down over here just so you know what I'm doing. How can we work through his paranoia, work through his stress, work mm. through his fears? And this man and then just imagine he didn't sleep for almost 40 hours do the work instead of causing the harm and at the end of almost four hours and even though and i'm not saying it's easy this is hard work to do when you're saving another human being's life because within that four hours i'm alone my supervisor ditched me said they didn't care my co-workers were like we're not coming downstairs because we just don't care and i'm just trying to deal with this frustration would it have been easier to call 911 and let the police handle it yes Oh my gosh, are you okay? Okay. Okay. Um, would it have been easier to call and let the police handle it? Yes. But the results, it's about least harm. And the results were not to hurt the guy, but to help the guy. And at the end of it, I was able to get his wife to calm down, which she was more than willing and happy to do. And she was, he was like, I'll go to the hospital. She drives me to the hospital. And he was able to leave his car here with me. Let me hold his keys until the the uh, business day on Monday, and he was until someone on Monday from his family could come pick up his car, and his car was safe. So it was nice to be able to segue into that, and he didn't die. Mm. He could have, the way he was acting so erratic and and impulsively. Who knows? Like, he would have been tackled to the ground if the cops came. Oh, yeah. One thousand percent. Because he was jumper. He could not stay still. There's just a different... I feel like there's just a different vibrational plane between, like... Because the cops, especially around here... I'm actually... There's sometimes... Uh... It's, it's weird over here because the cops, there's, like... Sometimes it's, a uh, like... Eh, I'm just gonna look over the shoulder. I don't mm-hmm. really care. Like, it's, like, if it's nothing big. Mm-hmm. But when it is, it's, like, the cops are coming here like they're about to fucking invade Normandy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, every day you're... Go- but, like... And I understand the point of view of the cop where it's, like... Yeah. I'm, like, yo, these people are fucking... Like, because they mm-hmm. see, like, crazy shit all the time. Uh, but, like, it's... I don't know, man. It's just, like... There's just that different vibrational plane of it where it's like, like the the people that they're really worried about is like where it becomes like these completely, uh, let's say you saw the wire, the, yeah. the fucking you know the, the one part that was like Freedom Town or some shit I don't yeah. know what it was, but where they had that like that uh, the decriminalized zone, mm-hmm. it's like they feel like they're about to like go into that shit and they're dealing with with a, a you know a crazy epidemic. And they're soldiers in that, and I understand that. But it's like, you know, you're dealing with somebody who's on this extremely, like, elevated, like, vibrational plane mm-hmm. where it's like the other energy is, like, you know, it's mm-hmm. very, like, you know, defensive, and, you know, and, like, 
it, it, I don't know, but like it's it's not meant to deal with the entire spectrum of it. But like uh, my grandfather was a was a he was a, a constable in South mm-hmm. Patterson, uh, and he dealt with the Arab community, and he was a really really nice man. And, and, and South Patterson was like a really like distinguished dude. That's actually why I took my name Zaytun again because I, I honored mm-hmm. his like original name mm-hmm. when he came to the country. Uh, and he was a he was like a community guy. He would just like you know he would just hear people's stories, and it wasn't like you know. I mean, but he wasn't dealing with the same, like, you know, war. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It is like a war a little bit out here sometimes. But it's like, uh, there's not there's not a lot of community policing as much as it is. Like, especially in, like, Hailden and, like, North Hailden as well. Yeah. They're, 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 those guys are like, I don't know what's going on. Over there. They're, they're, they're like, nope. Not, nope, not coming out here. And the second... <laughs> and the second case that I worked with, it was actually with... I'm, I'm not going to say his name, but it was in Camden County. Mm. And he called me up, this chief of police. He didn't sleep for like 24 hours. And he's stressing, and he's upset, and he's angry, and he's also thankful at the same time. Because this, this kid, well, this young man, he was he was drunk and he was trying to kill himself and he slit his throat but he didn't go deep enough and he was so drunk he couldn't go deep enough and he was slicing he was trying to slice his wrist and he was covered in blood and he was um then the cops came and he was trying his best to do suicide by cop by trying to go after the cops they disarmed him he didn't die what? <laughs> he did not die. And I and I can't. I, f- I, f- I don't know how far hip I could go, but I'll say he wasn't white. Yeah. And the chief and well, the person and the higher up I spoke with from the police department. First off, again, more barriers with mental health. He's calling me. I'm like two and a half hours away. The people that are with this this young man, they haven't slept for 24 hours. They've had him by his side. They, when they stitched him up, so many hospitals refused to help him. They were like, because he's not trying to kill himself now. And the detective was like, are you out of your mind? He's actively suicidal. Like, he just tried to kill himself and then tried to kill himself death by cop. Are you crazy? He needs help. You can't just let him go back out there. He needs help with alcohol and mental health. Mm-hmm. And so many facilities were like, well, it's right now. And the kid, this young man, he was like, I want help. I need help. And they kept turning him away. So he called me up and explained the situation. And I understand how insurance companies work. And, I, you know, I have relationships with different hospitals and stuff. So I, I was just like, I know why they're saying no, which is a BS reason. It's because of money. And I was just like, this is how we're going to get them to say yes. Mm. So there's certain wording. There's certain arguments you make and blah 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 but when they this guy arrived i've never like first the the officer was so thankful he was like he should have died and i and i couldn't understand the i i understood the fear in his voice but i didn't understand how bad it was Mm. and then when when this guy came in young it was the wildest scene i've ever seen he had his neck like Frankenstein stitched, his wrist it. I was just like, I had to take a moment because I was just like, he was 
really trying and these cops could have killed him but they followed the same two rules that I followed remain calm and that we're all taught if you actually know how to deal with a mental health crisis and make sure there's enough space never corner someone mm. and when you have when you follow those two basic rules everything turns out well so the difference between my cases and those officers cases that I worked with and Najee's case is I didn't have to see the video I just saw the picture those officers cornered him mm. when a person's in a mental health crisis their frontal lobe their decision making skills are are shut down it's fight or flight mode that's kicked in so Najee they say he lunged he lunged his body he didn't lunge his body his brain is like we have to run we have to defend ourselves we have to get out of here because now we're cornered his body perceived those officers with the gun in his face as mm. a threat that was aggressive mm. that was not needed you didn't appear with you know calm you didn't have a conversation you had weapons out from the get-go I never had a weapon when I dealt with any of these crisis calls. The officers that I have worked with, they've never had to draw their guns. Maybe they've had to lift their hands and push a person to the side, but they've never had to draw guns. Yeah. And there's a difference between, and when they say, you know, oh, Najee was threatened, some people said he had a gun or whatever. Look, I've dealt with people with guns before. And other people that I've worked alongside with officers have dealt with people with guns before. I will tell you this. If a person's got a gun, they're going to shoot immediately or shoot themselves in the head. Mm. They're not going to say, don't come in here, I have a gun. And I get it. You know, there is a certain level of risk we don't know. But at the same time, if you let the professionals go in, they might, if you're just like, you know, hey, you know, we can't, uh, uh, we can't, you know, let certain people go in because you're saying you have a gun or whatever. If you remain calm and you let the proper people take over, they could alert him out. Mm. There is no reason Najee had to die. Mm. And, and it just, it, it breaks my heart. And, you know, at the, um, at the town hall with, with attorney Platkin, the, the speaker. Yeah, yeah. That little town hall event, yeah, the assembly. Yeah, yeah. When I went up there and I spoke and I said the officers presented in an aggressive manner, because they did. Yeah. At the end of the day, they did. Yeah, like yeah. I, I've been in situations like that, and uh, other officers have been in situations like that. And as long as we don't present in an aggressive manner during a mental health call, no one's going to respond aggressively to us. Treat people how you want to be treated. Mm. And the the one officer, I guess he was there at the call because he turned around to make sure he looked at my face because he was upset I said that. <laughs> And I was just like, just kept going, and then I power walked away. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, I triggered this officer. But it's, he didn't have to die. Yeah. And there are so many cases where the person doesn't have to die. And then it's also a slap in the face where you're investing all the millions of dollars into officers and not communities with programs that st statistically work. And it, and again, I'm not saying we don't need officers that's not, you know, talking down on cops, but they do not need to be involved in every little thing. You do not need to govern every little thing in a community. And, the, the be, and instead of the politicians investing in communities and investing in ways to reunite the, and build the trust in officers and community members, 
it's the politicians that are creating this war and this divide and they're doing it because you can ignore the housing crisis you could ignore the health care crisis you could ignore the opiate crisis because we're focusing too much on this and it, it's a it's strategically placed like that and then on top of it then you get officers like we have to uh, i said it earlier but i'm going to say again we have 12 officers on average a month in new jersey that that commit suicide we have officers that i've treated for addiction officers uh new jersey passed a law where they allow officers that struggle with ptsd to still work on the force these guys want help they do not want to keep working and you put them on 16 hour shifts three days in a row what is going to happen mm. they can't think right and even if you don't have ptsd or addiction or uh struggling with any sort of mental health you have lack of sleep and you have a high level of stress because you got to run to this dv call then you got to run to the this difus call because you got to monitor this kid then you got this other call then you got these kids <laughs> at the end of the block and then, yeah and it's yeah. a problem no, i know i know i know i know how the jumping yeah the and then on top of you got all this paperwork and they're just like i don't want to do this and then you got these overdose calls or these drug addiction calls they're like i shouldn't be doing this let someone else do it but the politicians are saying no you do it you do it you do it and they're just like we want relief we want to let this go but if they speak up there's a problem then it's they can get harmed with their depending on what department and who the officers are they can get shunned they cannot have if they need backup they can take their time with backup i've had officers tell me that you have to make sure you keep their relationship good and you can't step on any toes and you're not allowed to speak up and you're not allowed to speak up against the politicians you're not because it's so political and so dirty and then you got officers that are just like you know i think people should just be fucking truthful but it's like there's like like i love yeah. i love andre i think andre is i think i've lived in Patterson my entire life like my family my family's mm -hmm. been here since like the late 50s and uh I love Andre, and I love on what Andre's done with the city. I like I. There's some shit I feel like he's a little meh, mm -hmm. but it's like you know. But I feel like just people should just be honest with you. You have to be like, I'm like, yo, bro, you could have handled Najee Seabrooks a little bit. Yep. Not necessarily like better. Like he's like he he does like the he's doing like the directional thing, but like I was there when we were all walking and like and. Uh, if, if Andre just came out of the damn city hall and just said, like, yo, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm sorry that this happened. You just need to talk. Like, you're speaking to a melting pot. And you have to, un like, you have to be able to go and, like, to, like, he faces it. Like, you know what I mean? But it's like, he's, like, he promotes a lot of the growth. And I, I love him for the growth because he's the first time I've ever seen growth in the city. Ever seen growth. Like, Torres was just all bribes and shit. My father used to work for Marty Barnes. I, uh, and he, Marty Barnes was corrupt as fuck. So was my father. But yeah, but like I, I, I feel Andre, and I feel like there is actually like a push to like so, burn the city up. Here's the thing on why they don't apologize, because apologizing means you admitted you did something wrong. It's not an apology. But no, he he did apologize, but he just didn't come out and face like it was not. A, yeah. It wasn't a mob, but it was like. There was a, a, an assembly of people that were protesting, and if you just got off of the goddamn chair for five fucking seconds and just said, hey, like, I understand and I hear your cry, and this will be addressed, 
that's fine. Like that's that's that and for me at least. Yeah. I, I can't speak for other the other people, but for me at least, and I, I love the dude. I think the guy is doing great things. I think he's building building the first growth that I've ever seen. Yeah. In the city. And that brings up another point because there, it is a division, and that's why instead of because people say you know, well, I'll tell you what some Democrats have said to me. Oh, you have to wait until you're asked. I'm not going to wait till I'm asked because if I'm waiting, well, yeah, if I'm waiting to ask to run for a certain seat, that means that I have to agree to everything that you guys do. And if it's corrupt and a lot of stuff is corrupt, then I have to agree to that. So if I'm waiting, who knows if I'm going to get the seat that I want or if I'm going to be able to do the work that I want or help the communities that I want. So Russell Brown said this in order to disrupt the system. We have to cut the line, pretty much. He said a whole bunch of other words, but I'm just summarizing into short things. Um, so we have to elect people that understand this complex dynamic of issues happening. And we have to elect someone that understands policy at the same time, because I've wrote, I've written policies, I've written grants, I've managed grants, I have a lot of, I've done a lot of startup businesses or even rebuild businesses and helped with a business in Newark, New Jersey, uh, for a, a community and behavioral health for youths and adolescents. And we need people that that understand the political dynamic, understand how to write laws, understand how to advocate for laws, and then also on top of it, be a humanitarian. Mm and see that these are people, see that these are families, and see, okay, I see the solution, and I know how we could get there, but in order for me to get there to make all these changes, I have to be there in charge of the budget. Mm. I have to make sure we rewire the money. Mm. And Menendez, my opponent, does not do that. Yeah, from 2009 to present, he's given very minuscule to communities but he's given billions to police departments. Mm -hmm. And in 2018, it was 2.8 million he gave to Patterson Police Department. What a, now, how many people died? Mm -hmm. How did that really make communities safer? It's weird. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much of a chip it makes. It's like, like I know there's a police force. It's a very popular mm -hmm. police force. But... I don't know how much of like a chip it really makes when you're adding way more into like the yeah. it's like a defense budget. That's like like I don't know. But but then again, I am but, a little I am a little uneducated. Yeah, but it's also the, the dynamic yeah. Well, if this is how we rebuild, if you invest in like Black Lives Matter in Patterson or Faith in New Jersey. Mm or make the road new jersey if you invest the money into these communities or e even the he healing collective in patterson you invest in these communities they can take away the mental health calls from the officers you just this drug the drug calls from the officers you just relieve so much stress from them now they're able it's to an outsourcing that's within the yes community. but instead of and, and then so how, what they're doing now, and I forgot the name of the program, where they pair up a mental health professional with an officer. Oh, that's smart. That's really smart. No, it's not. Because no, no, you're, no, 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 I'm just saying, no, the outsourcing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because you're still adding stress to the officers that are already dealing with a lot. Mm. Just let the professionals in the mental health community handle that. 
If it's becoming too much, then you call the officers in. If, if there's a weapon or if there's... Like, if it's becoming a danger, then you say, okay, now we need the police officers in because this is a dangerous environment. But it also saves lives because... Like, for example, there is some... There, New Jersey passed a good citizenship... A good No, good citizen reporting where if a person is overdosing or if a person's drunk and there's an issue, the police will come in, no questions asked, we'll get the person medical help to reduce death and dying and overdoses. And then they pass an opioid protection act after that to make sure like if people are overdosing that we can come in, we can save them, no questions asked. The problem is people are still getting arrested and people are still getting questioned where'd you get this from what's happening you're still they're still being treated like criminals put the professionals in those the mental health professionals in those places for those calls just let the officers deal with the more serious stuff not saying that this isn't serious but they're not mental health professionals and it takes not just years of schooling but it takes years of actual training and constant supervision and a team of people that you know you can lean on and say you know I'm the uh you're never alone in these situations except me with all my situations but usually you're never alone usually it's a team where it's like okay you're a very experienced person yes that's what I've gotten out of yes right. yes no like like you have like you've definitely seen the spectrum of like yeah. life that's like that's yeah that's like yeah <laughs> see distraction last note of summer madness yes. uh, what's it called <laughs> uh, no you've definitely seen the spectrum of like things and you're like you're really like at the base like you're on the front line of things yeah and we need leaders elected leaders that remain on the front line mm. we don't need people that's that are actually in touch yeah that are not really detached that don't go on their, you know, third federal trial and are above the law. We need people that that can that can go to, like. I feel like they do a lot of the arbitration of bureaucracy. Like it's yes. just all a lot of like, like, I don't know. Or it's just but, that everybody's gathering people. Yeah. Like gathering people or gathering people. For money. Yeah, either for money. It's always about money. Yeah. And who you know and status of a person. But what do you do for the people that voted you? And you need, it's your, it's the citizens, it's your, your voters that put you there. So where are you when they need you? Why are you ignoring them? Why aren't you helping them? And why do you think you have, you know, every right to have your seat again? Mm. You you neglect too many people. You hurt too many people. Mm. And, and. You know, it's heartbreaking because when ICE, when, you know, my opponent allowed, you allowed at the end of the day, Menendez, ICE to come in, then now I have to deal with the repercussions of these, these broken families. And I, I've had so many people start drugs because of the pain and the trauma of how their parents were removed. Young kids. So what drove you to run? What? What really drove you to run? Was it like that, that, that type of like the repercussion of? Uh, no, uh, you know what? It was a buildup. Yeah. And then I don't know if you saw ever saw the documentary "Best Kept Secret" from Newark, New Jersey. No. No one ever sees this was documentary. That the one with Cory Booker as. A, no. No. All right. No. All right. Well. No. 
It's a beautiful. I watched, I watched Cory Booker's documentary when he was when he was running for mayor in New York. He was like, "Yeah, what's going on?" No, it's um. Like, Janet Mino is a social worker, and Janet Mino is the reason I ran. Hmm. In the documentary, it's a beautiful documentary and involves a population that you know I would fight for to the end of my breath. And when Janet Mino went to Menendez and advocated and asked for the same the same programs, the same help that suburban communities get for inner city young adults and youths that are on the spectrum of autism mm -hmm. you could see in his face how much he did not care mm. you could see it in his eyes it was just a Tuesday dusk yeah, uh, yeah and he just yep he says and I and then I started doing more research on him and then I learned how corrupt he really was and in that moment because there is a petty side to me in that moment and when I saw the documentary and I said if you won't do your job I'll do it for you and that, that was it. And that's where it took off from there. So thank you, Janet Mino, because if it wasn't for you, I would have never, ever... She doesn't know who I am, but I know <laughs> who she is. Uh, I would have never gone full throttle. And then we see, you know, if I told you Epstein or Trump or Republican gave three visas to barely legal girls that are models, what would be your first thought? <laughs> you can say you could say uh you could say what's ever uh, on your mind you could say insider trading with the in with the with the trafficking emphasis on inside yeah trafficking <laughs> yeah well it would appear that insider. they would be yes but why is that okay that a democrat does that why is that okay that Menendez did that? Because he's a Democrat? And then he's on trial for a third time. And but it's okay, but it's not okay that Trump's on trial. It's not okay when a Republican gets arrested. I'm not trying to minimize anyone's crimes. Like if you commit certain yeah. horrendous crimes, you really need to go to prison yeah. and get treatment, not sort of right away. Yeah. Uh, but it's just more like, why is it okay for certain people and, and it just goes to show how corrupt New Jersey Democrats are mm -hmm. the level because if you look at certain other states that kind of level of corruption wouldn't fly in Democrats because mm -hmm. they're just like we're progressive we're supposed to be the size standard so essentially I'm running because my opponent won't do his job I'll do it for him but I'm also doing it to rebuild trust in politicians I'm doing it because I can show receipts I can show you I have a whole list of donations I've done. I've been in the community for my entire life doing fundraising events, collecting donations at, um, gosh, I can't remember the name of this one rehab. I was able to write a grant with ShopRite, get everything for Thanksgiving, and then I was able to bring all the stuff to the this one rehab. And on top of it, I, for the Muslim people in the rehab, I was able to get them halal food, and this is just me work networking in the community. Get them Qurans, get them prayer mats, mm. uh, get them 
an imam to speak with and contact with. And that means a lot because even with our community, our Arab people, and especially when it comes to Muslims, addiction is so rampant. Yeah. And it's destroying and killing Arabs. Yeah. And the problem is, especially when it comes to Muslims, is they shun, they don't help, and that's not following the Quran yeah. at all. And, but that goes into a whole deeper level because it's culture versus religion. But there is, we need to... I need more help within that community because when I, the first thing that happens when I run into a Muslim man struggling with addiction is we have to get through the shame that he's speaking to a woman. Mm. And not just any woman, an Arab woman. Yeah. And I, I, there's no... I have not met one Muslim male counselor that can help me with this. And, the, and I've met... I've gone through so much death and despair within the Arab community alone when it comes to addiction where it's just they're so hopeless and they, they're just beaten down because they get shunned by the community, the community doesn't help them and religion's a huge aspect of the community so if you're shunning them there's no reason for them to get sober Yeah, they feel so alone and a lot, and a lot of them wind up committing suicide. I learned about one cousin I haven't met and the way I learned about him and it was the wildest story, my other cousin called me up and you know, they they were just like, oh, Christina, you know, you have another cousin, and you didn't meet him, but you're never you're not going to meet him because he he was just found dead, and he died because he was shunned by the community. And I'm just like, oh my gosh! And then there was a whole big issue because they didn't return. They were the way they handled his case was horrible. It it was just it's been a wild ride. Well, but Arabs, I will get. To, I want to help the community. I don't want to hurt the community. But then, you know, it's getting in touch with them because they're just like you're a woman, and there's that whole sexist aspect yeah. where it's like, okay, I'm giving you. Yeah, it's like, but and it drives me crazy because it's like, you know, when do we put our pride and our egos and our ignorance to the side to accept the help so we can save lives? instead of end them and i'm not saying hey i'm going to take control i'm saying hey i need to encourage more men to get involved because i do respect that boundary issue yeah but how do we get that Uh, and opening the door and opening that conversation for that it's just a wonderful conversation no i'm serious about all the communities and how how all the communities are like interwoven with each other and that's really what it that's what it really is all about Mm-hmm. No, like I don't know, but like I, I know that's like the, I'm going a little off track about it, but it's like we've talked about the police community, yeah, the mental health community, like you know, like drug addicted, like all, like a bunch of these things, and then seeing like how beautiful like this tapestry of like this like it's not necessarily political climate, but it's like this. Uh, but it is. How be- No, yeah, it's the political because climate. everyone really could work so well together. Yeah. Yeah. Except your current elected officials don't want it that way because yeah. they don't care when cops get killed or they commit suicide. They don't care if a cop kills a person. They do not it's care. They've made it clear that how much they do not care. Yeah. So do you still want to continue with the same cycle or do we want to break the cycle and elect someone that's going to not only be front lines, but does not take no for an answer. I was six hours away for one of my clients, and that judge 
made it so clear he was so racist and so comfortable because this was in upstate New York. I was so furious. Six hours away, I made him drop that warrant for, for my client. I scared him into that. And he was, for fun, was going to put her. He was like, we don't get your kind up here. We don't like your kind. I was like, yo, you are too comfortable cousin, with the racism. Bro. Yeah. We don't like your kind right yeah. here. And then this girl, she's calling me up at work. And she's, she's crying. 19 years old. 19 years old. Crying. And he wanted to put her away for 90 days. Over just missing two days of treatment he's like she was arrested for marijuana she's the devil and i'm like she is i'm just like sir <laughs> sir she is not and but and i fought i fought so hard i fought so hard and he dropped the warrant and he brought her he let her transfer to new jersey he was he never wanted to talk to me again and i was okay with that arrangement and I was able to work with her, and I got her enrolled in college. I, it was just like the so the amount of work I could do on a micro level, and the the passion and energy I have. Imagine that on a macro level, where I'm and I'm not scared of going up against judges. I'm not scared of calling out cops and or sergeants or whatever, letting them know that they're wrong. I'm not scared to have these conversations. And I know we don't, we're not going to have enough time for this, this but. conversation, <laughs> yeah. but reparations are totally 100% doable within the budget. We can do it two different ways and drop your bars, drop your bars. Yes. <laughs> drop your bars. New York City. <laughs> no, New Jersey. <laughs> I want you to go. <laughs> yeah. New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Kind of, uh, and now uh, we can drop the song. All right. Uh, continue. Oh, you want to drop the song? Oh, okay. you know, but... Like, us yeah. Speak your shit. Yeah. <laughs> Talk your shit. So... Why don't you slap your fucking grandmother? No, I won't, I won't hit anybody. I won't no, hit anybody. No, no, no. That's, okay. that's just my personal Okay. Crap. Funk Flex says, like, people can go into the, the goddamn cashier <laughs> and steal money. I don't know. I'm like... No. So, uh, oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> Felt all right. All right, reparations. Yeah, so this is a going to be another hour conversation, and give me, give me the, <laughs> give me the, the. Five I don't know. Yeah. You know what? I want, I want to, I want people to be hungry for that one. All right, all right. There's two right. different ways Coming we can do this. Coming soon. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you guys better request. <laughs> I come back and break this down. There are two ways we could do reparations. And there are many people that the ones that I have shared it with, they're just like, let's get this done now. And it can it can happen. It can happen. It will happen under me. So we're about to drop this song right now? Yes. Let's see. YouTube. Alright, ladies and gentlemen. CK24 Change the optic, no more tame and topics, let's all change the logic, no more games, things been the same, ain't do nothing about it, 
It seems kinda toxic. Now it's time we shout it. Came from nothing to something. Nobody can tell me nothing. No reason to come here fronting. Time for somebody trusting. And I can't lie and I can't try to even play no games. We know why inflation high and the currency a shame. We pay taxes, but where does it go? Security, yay, far from the low. Homeless scenes, rats on the streets and it shows. Hybrid robberies, that's how it goes. Constantly, commonly, property forming the city. My pockets are taking a blow. Honestly, consciously, we can't continue this flow. It's time for a chance for you know. Yeah, we got it, we bout it. We came to change the optic. No more taming topics. Let's all change the logic. No more games, things been the same. Me do nothing about it. It seems kinda toxic. Now it's time we shout it. It's time we see more. No more detours. What we need more? CK204. It's time we see more. No more detours. What we need more? CK204. Let's go. Fighting the man with plans. Knowing they don't give a damn. Policy's full of sham. We understand the scam. It's time for all these scammers to scram. Man, we make an advance. All we need is a chance. A chance to break from the trance. We from the garden to beg your pardon. Squadron deep like Spartans. No time to hearken. You're watching big dogs over here. We parking. Parallel to the streets, we parking. Chance behind the doors, we knocking. Keep shocking while they keep mocking. History with y'all embarking. Got it, we bout it. We came to change the optic. No more taming topics. Let's all change the logic. No more games. Things been the same. Ain't do nothing about it. It seems kinda toxic. Now it's time we shout it. It's time we see more. No more detours. What we need more? CK204. It's time we see more. No more detours. What we need more? CK204. Let's go. Christina Amira Khalil.